You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and this episode is hosted by Ryan. In this episode, we featured two incredible women who are doing amazing things in their respective fields. We welcome to the show MJ Fiev. MJ is the author of the Badass Black Girls series. She helps others write their way through trauma, build community, and create social change. She works with veterans, disenfranchised youth, cancer patients, survivors, and victims of domestic and sexual violence, minorities, the elder, and those with chronic illness going through transition, and any underserved population in need of writing as a form of therapy, even if they don't realize they need writing or therapy. In our next segment, we invite Melissa Ingram. Melissa is a top executive at UP, responsible for driving the growth and success of Aspire TV, Cine Romantico, and other multicultural brands from UP Entertainment across all distribution platforms. From her previous title as GM of Aspire TV before its purchase by UP, Aspire TV remains under her creative direction. Melissa has been at the forefront of a handful of recent major announcements for the network this year, including Comcast and Aspire TV announcing an expansion into 12 new Xfinity markets nationwide, bringing the channel to millions of new customers, and Aspire TV announcing three series licensing deal with Ken, an entertainment company that creates unscripted programming that resonates with women ages 25 and over to bring a hit online series side-by-side side to linear television. She's here to talk about that all and more on this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Let me get it out correctly. I'm so excited, so I'm fumbling on my words here. I'm your host, Brian Bennett, and this is so dope because we're talking all about these badass black girls that we have in this world um, badass black women, um, women and girls that don't know they're badasses yet. And I have the head badass in charge with me, you guys. I'm talking about MJ Fiev. She is the best-selling author of the series Back uh, Bl- uh, Badass Black Girl. See, I'm trying to see how many times I can say it and still tongue twist it myself. Uh, MJ, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so happy to be here. You can't imagine. And by the way, you you guys can't see this, but she has a dope background. Like I would expect this from any writer. There's like books and everything behind her. (laughs) And they can see you. And I'm looking at your pops trying to figure out which ones you have. I know. I know. They're so like, I do have like an Ava DuVernay one back here and like a Shuri. I've never like, I never, I don't know if I've ever got them on camera fully all the way. Like I need to have them a little closer. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, but you know, it's again, thank you so much for joining me. This is so fantastic. Badass black girl. Um, like I was telling you before we started recording, it just, you have just broken down so many sections that I feel like every little black girl, every black woman has at some point in their life thought about it. Um, but before we kind of dive into it, I was wondering if you kind of take us to kind of like the beginning of your journey Mm -hmm. and, you know, just building that confidence, you know, not cockiness, but that confidence that I wish, you know, that a lot of black women, a lot of women of color, you know, it's kind of hard for them to get to that stage, you know, and have and start using their voice more. Absolutely. I grew up in Haiti. And if you hear the news, you know that it's a place that is rather complicated. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful place with beautiful people, but there's always a wave of violence mm-hmm. um, yeah. here and there. And that's mostly what you hear about. And growing there was pretty challenging. So there was a violence outside the home. And in addition, I was dealing with violence inside the home. Mm -hmm. 
So I felt lost for a long time. And what happens when you're so lost, you spend too much time with your own thoughts. So I was really focused on me and how am I going to survive the next day? Finally, I was able to get some relief from all this um, introspection by reading books. And when I say that books saved my life, it's literal. I would have been such a different person if I had if I if I hadn't found books to help me keep it together. So I started a little bit with fiction. I read some poetry. Then I started reading nonfiction. And there were all those great books, empowerment books, right? I was a small kid reading books that were maybe for teenagers or adults, but I needed those so badly. And I learned about discipline and I learned about loving myself. But one thing that was always missing was someone who looked like me. I felt that the examples that were given were great, but they did not apply to my life. They were talking about people um, who had um, who were living in countries where you never had to stay home in fear because there were protests in the street, right? They right. never talked about the violence happening at home. It was like a normal, happy life that you had to make make better somehow. So um, I was always puzzled by that, the fact that I couldn't find a Black girl in those books, that I couldn't find people dealing with violence at home, that I couldn't find people dealing with just a world world that can be very ugly, uh, right? So when I became an educator myself, um, dealing with uh, kids who were going through what I had been going through, I really connected with my students. I really connected with the parents um, of my Black students. And I wanted to have this, those conversations that I never felt comfortable having. And I decided to write a book that would be for people who, just like me, cannot find a place that teaches them how to overcome um, the lack of self-esteem that society tries to instill in many of us black girl, how to deal with um, racism, with colorism. There was no guidebook to say, hey, what happens when when uh, the hate comes from your own people? And right, right. Yeah. What happens when you're dealing with a home life that is less than perfect? So I studied the Badass Black Girl book series. And um, we just released, my publisher and I just released um, Empowered Black Girl, which is the second book in the series. And Resilient Black Girl will come out later this year. And it's all about us Black girls, how wonderful we are, how deserving of praise, of love, of dignity, how we how much we can do to take control over our lives and just be happy. That's what I wanted as a kid. I just wanted to be happy. Right, right. And you don't think about, and like you said, you don't think about different circumstances that are people in. And sometimes in literature, like, you know, other, uh, other um, businesses or you know, aspects of life, other careers, people don't touch on how do you feel as a, you know, especially for women of color, of, for black women, you know, having that space, like somebody that looks like you, that's going through that same thing. Yes, exactly. I wanted to show that everything is possible. I mean, growing up, how many black girls are expected to become doctors or astronauts or, um, I mean, all those professions that recently have become a little bit more cool for girls in general, um, Black girls are still not necessarily part of that conversation because um, we don't have those talks or we don't necessarily instill in, in young girls that they can do it, that yes, this is how far you can go. And part of it is because um, from a parent or teacher point of view, it's because um, we're so busy dealing with um, may, our jobs that we, we are overwhelmed to begin with to remember to have those serious conversations that maybe we didn't have growing up. So we're kind of tr- a, a, a trying to keep it together with the basics, right? Um, right. And from a girl's point of view, if you if you are not reminded 
that you have to question the status quo, that you have to question the expectations that you have for yourself and that others have of you, um, it doesn't even it doesn't happen. It, you're not gonna think that you don't have to do a nine to five necessarily. You may choose to, but that maybe you might be a businesswoman when you grow up, or that you you might want to become a, a mechanic when you grow up. It, there are so many things that we take for for uh, for being unchangeable. And I want young girls, teens, young adults to be able to to think outside the box and see what's possible. Right. Absolutely. And speaking of which, um, I want to kind of break down, if you don't mind, some of your some of the little sections that you have in the book and kind of flesh this out a little bit more for black girls that are listening that are like, you know, well, I have some questions and some things that have been on my mind um, because you do such a great job. First of all, I love that you always start with a quote. Um, so the first section I want to go to is um, you have a lot going. You have a lot going for you, which I don't think a lot a lot of black women hear this enough or have that just stuck in their head, that mindset. Um, so we have a quote here by Tracy Ellis Ross. You said it was when I realized I needed to stop trying to be somebody else and be myself. I actually started to own and accept and love what I need. So can you kind of talk a bit, talk to us a little bit about picking that quote from Tra- Tracy Ellis Ross and just being able to realize at a young age that you have talent? Because we're not always told that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I can approach this from different um, angles, actually. There's the first one within the community itself, how um, we are very we often compared to other people. It's like, oh, you can be the next so-and-so, or you can be the next so-and-so, or you can be like your sister, right? So right. there's this idea that um, we live by comparison, and it's something that whether, whether you're Black, whether you're of any other race, uh, it happens a lot with girls where, for some reason, we all compare to each other more than than uh, boys, right? It's always, I right. want to be like this person. At one level, it's okay. Maybe you want to be the next Beyonce, and there's and role models are very important. It mm-hmm. becomes a problem when the comparison becomes uh, what you're using all the time to gauge your own value. Like absolutely, uh, my my. I remember growing up, um, I was really into video games, and that's it, it. It was my release, and when I became a teenager, I was the only one in my friends who was a little bit geeky. And I always felt like, oh, then I'm not normal because everyone is kind of learning how to apply makeup and then so the new kids on the block and here I am, all I want to do is play with my uh, Nintendo. And you start doubting that what you're doing is valuable. It took me years. It took me being in my 30s to say, you know what? I miss doing this. And I went back to being geeky, uh, a, a geeky um, video game playing gal who spends a considerable time, um, leisure time, playing video games. So that's one example. Or when I would bring a um, report card home, because um, I was, I'll say unfortunate, but really it's a blessing. I was surrounded by sisters who were so smart. They were all A students. And there was book smart and street smart. And here I am bringing my little bee at home. And my, my mom is like, oh, but it's a bee. You need to work more like your sister, Patricia, does. Like those little things, they know at your self-esteem, right? And, right, and yeah. you learn to always compare yourself. Oh, she's more talented. She's a better singer than I am. She's a better athlete than I am. She's a better this and that. And finally, you spend your life looking at other people instead of looking at yourself and say, you know what? Um, I want to be the best, let's say, I want to be the best writer. And this is what it's going to take. It's going to take writing more. I'm going to have to write every day. It's going to take learning the craft. I'm going to have to attend workshops. I'm going to have to maybe work closely with a successful writer. And it's a shift, right? Going from I'm not as good as so-and-so to I can be very good at this if I do. And then here's your list. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very like and like I said, all of these things. Um, you also have like, what are you doing well? Just having a just having um black women or black girls check in with themselves, you know, and give yourself compliments. Realize, you know, like you're talking about the video games. 
you know, right now, shoot, video games, people are making tons of money, turning into careers, you know, playing video games. Just having that confidence to, you know, to kind of be outside the box a little bit or not feel so different, you know, whether it's siblings, whether it's your friends, just having that that um, that push, that voice is what I love about this book, that uh, this series that I think give bla- uh, gives black girls a new way of thinking. Absolutely. I mean, um, you need to look at yourself outside of the scope of that other people have established. You need to right. look at yourself using your own terms and set goals for yourself based on what you see for yourself independently of what other people are doing as opposed to being in competition with anyone else because that's when the issues begin when everything you do is connected to someone else we don't live in a vacuum that's true that's true Other people exist, but when it comes to the goals that you set for yourself, the kind of person you have to to be, you really need to prioritize how you see yourself independently of others. Yeah. And not only was it the quotes in this book, another thing I like is that you have these historical sections that I think is another thing um, that I'm learning as I continue to do research as I get older. But, you know, certain generations, they don't know a lot about some of the icons, some of the trailblazing women that we have before us that set these standards. So I think it's um, phenomenal that you go with each section like you have the 10 badass trailblazers, uh, blazers and um, politics and law trailblazers and entertainment. You know, like a lot of young people don't know all of these people that are in these categories. Can you talk a little bit about your dive into that research and what it meant to you to add that into the um, to the badass uh, black girl series? Absolutely. I mean, um, I found out very, very early, like I said, I'm from the Caribbean. So when you study the history of what happened in the Caribbean, um, because our system, our school system is still French. So it's really, we inherited our school system from the colonizers, right? So it took me a little while to realize um, that, oh, the history lessons that I'm teaching they're coming from a certain point of view, right? Um, it, yes, there were slaves and yes, there was a lot of suffering, but the books don't really go into certain details and you realize, of course, you're not going to go into those details because they were written by uh, uh, French people and those were the colonizers. So after a while, they had to admit uh, things that happened, but they're not going to give you the, the full story. So um, it really got me thinking about how information is filtered according to uh, who's, who's, who's in power, right? And what is what is the tale that they want other people to hear? So what happens with a lot of our fabulous Black people throughout history in, in America, um, very often their realizations are, you know, put aside because if you're trying to... Um, keep up people in slavery, and then later on you're trying to keep them in check, they're, they're, they're starting to get power, too much power to your taste, right? right yeah. And they're, they're marching for their um, rights. Oh, my God, we're losing control. In order to, to, to keep them in control, you're going to try to erase their story. So we have, exactly. in Black people have been erased in, in so many on so many accounts, right? And our realizations are not in many books, not until recently when there's been this focus on diversity. Before A few years ago, you barely heard about anything we did right. Um, You heard about um, activism, and even when you heard about the activists and the people who fought for our rights in the U.S., um, you only you couldn't help hearing all the bad stuff too, and how everything was taken out of context. Anyway, all this to be said that I had no idea until relatively recently that the traffic lights that you see every day on your way to work, on your way to school, invited by in in. Invented by a black man. Your security. Yeah, system- when I found out, I was blown away too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean to cut you off. Continue. Go ahead. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, uh, it's awesome. And um, if you have a security system at home, or if you work in a place that has a security system, who invented that? A black lady. It's like everything we've done has been 
um, put aside, you never hear of it. And I got to the point where I'm like, I'm tired of this. So for right. this particular book, I went back and I looked at all those trailblazers and I was discovering them as I was doing the research. And mm. now I'm even working on a children's books, um, on a couple of children children's books. Um, sorry about that. About um, trailblazers in places like science or um, in the arts, more than just wow, music. Yeah. Yeah. How prevalent we are. It's just that you never really hear about us on, unless you research just like me. Other, other races, you see it even if you're not looking for it. You'll find right. another article here. Um, I mean, they, they will be on display. But Black people, if you're not looking for, for us, they, you're not going to find us. So yeah. um, I want to ch change that. So I started with the Badass Black Girl series where I said, you know what? They're all role models out there and they're black. They're just like us. And if they can do this, you can too. And um, the research was so inspiring to me to see that the sky is the limit. And now working on that new children's book series that I told you, being able to look at other more closely at science and and inventions and all those extraordinary things that our people are doing. I mean, it's refreshing. Yeah, I definitely. And I want to come back to the children's book. And I have another book I want to talk to you about, too, um, that I saw that you're working on. Um, but I want to go. I want to talk about one more thing I want to hit in the book. Um, the idea of joy and being happy. I think you touched on this a little bit earlier as well. But I want to kind of culture on this. You said if you want to be sad, no one in the world can bring you joy. And if you decide to be joyful, nothing or no one on earth can take away that joy. And I think that is so important, especially if you think about the time period that is right on time for what we're going through. We're talking about Black Lives Matter. You know, the pandemic, we're slowly waking our way out of that. But just the idea of black women, black girls finding a space, finding a place to feel happy, you know, to take that moment to kind of relax or figure out what's going to make you happy. What brings you joy? Black joy is such a wonderful phenomenon. When you think about black joy, even in a historical context, that was a tool of resistance. I mean, you want, when our ancestors were in slavery, you know how they did to stay alive? They, they were joyful. They, they, um, our dances show this. Our music shows this. It was a tool to show, you know what? Despite the circumstances, we're here and we're, right. we're always going to be here. And a black joy now, when you think about, um, some of the merches that happened last year and how uh, from time to time you would have those moments of joy where people were just happy to be together, united in, in the same kind of mission, right? And when you think about um, how angry it makes some people when we succeed and we're just joyfully talking about it, it's always been this tool of resistance. And I think that instilling um, black joy in your life every day is the most radical thing that you can do for you and for your community. Yeah. It's really important for you to be joyful and to think um, strategically about how you're going to bring more joy in your life, what that joy is going to look like, because what makes me happy is not what will make you happy. So, And it's important. You, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to the people who came before you to pave the way so that your life could be slightly better than the lives that they had before you. So right. I'm all about thinking about what joy means to you and then applying um, steps that will get you there. Um, I always tell people, you know what, if your environment is not making you happy, try to redraw a little bit from it. If someone is always making you feel down, you know, walk away. It doesn't mean that you have to love them less because sometimes um, the toxicity comes from family members. I mentioned that I came from a very violent home. I love my dad to death, but at some point I had to walk away because he was not making me happy. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So it's all about studying the situation in which you are and being strategic. It's not em emotions are important mental health, being able to express how you feel. But beyond 
knowing how you feel, you need something that is more pragmatic, something a, a to-do list. Okay, now I know how I feel about this. What am I going to do next? And whenever I have a conversation on any topic about uh, really with anyone, my question is always, okay, so what's the next step? Now that we've established how we feel, what the situation is, the problems, um, what is next? And if you if you skip this step, it's difficult for you to find joy because right. um, you won't be able to determine how you're going to get rid of all those joy robbers around you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and two, before we leave here, can you kind of tell everybody um, where they can find the series, how they can find them? Because I'm telling you guys, they have like, like I'm looking at a chapter right now that is, um, are you too woke? There's just like so many questions you have in your head as a black woman, as a black girl. And to see um, you, MJ, kind of put this out on paper and have it broken up so well and and give your own kind of stories, um, which, by the way, is phenomenal in itself, just that you're that open and you're sharing all of that with us. Um, just kind of tell everybody where they can find it, um, your new parts, where your new uh, series are coming up, the new parts of the series are coming up. Absolutely. I'm at badassblackgirl.com. So visiting the website it allows you to get in touch with me if you want to. But what I've been trying to do with um, a few other writers who are actively working on that website is to create a community. Meaning if you have a story to tell and you want to shoot us an email and say, hey, can you publish my piece? We're happy to look at look at the piece and help you improve it so that it's ready for publication. Let's say that you're a blogger at heart and you've been meaning to start blogging for a while, but you really wanted to have this kind of collaboration where there's a working site where you can post stories and um, just opinions or just blog, you can contact us also at badassblackgirl.com. We're creating a community, supporting each other, um, showing each other some love. We need nurture. And that's what I'm trying to provide with um, a few other writers through that, that website. And if you want to learn more about uh, the books that I'm putting out, I'm on Amazon primarily. I have a um, author page there, MJ Fiev, and Amazon will list books that are coming. You can see the Young Trailblazers coming out um, soon. A few other titles I'm currently working on in some books for boys with a, an editor, a male editor who approached me about, okay, what about our boys? They didn't need love too. And you, you're <laughs> teaching them for many years. And I'm like, yes, you're right. Um, I wish my dad had had some nurturing when he was growing up uh, that his life hadn't been so tough. Maybe it would have been um, a more nurturing father, for instance, right? right? Yeah, so. I mean, it, it all depends on like that upbringing. Yeah, and like I said, that's why it's so powerful hearing you share these stories that teenagers can read. You know, p- uh, women of all ages can read that'll kind of change something. And like you said, working with the the young boys as well, having something come out that because it all starts when you're young. Just that idea, getting that framework starting to build where it, it presents something different. Um, I want to kind of transition here for a second. Um, you already gave, kind of gave us a little bit of the books you're working on. You're also you also have out um, your work from home life, which I thought was interesting because, you know, everybody's in that headspace now. Tell us a little bit about working on that and what kind of in- in- inspired that all of us, you know, just stuck at home these days. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I've been working from home for a little while. It's been okay, years. Okay. Um, uh, my writing schedule, plus I, I do suffer from insomnia. My brain sometimes won't stop. So it had become very clear to me that I had to be able to be flexible with my schedule. So um, years ago, I walked away from a nine to five and I studied my own my own thing. And after the well, after we heard that we had to stay home. So at the start of the pandemic, I realized, oh, everything that I learned about working from home could be helpful. And not just because there's a pandemic, but I felt right away that the pandemic was going to change the way we approach work altogether. And I know that even when things go to quote unquote normal, some people will still be working from home or people will choose to to um, keep working from home. So I put together um, some tips that people can 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 use just to make your life at home um, more bearable. Um, at first, I mean, um, I know it was so hard for many people to even think about 
being anywhere else than an office. So I talk about creating your own space, even if you don't have an office at home, it might be just a little corner, but how to make it manageable and how to um, deal with um, interruptions, not just interruptions that you are creating um, by having all those notifications pop up on your phone, but those interruptions from other people. Some people have kids that are stuck at home with them. Some people have husbands who um, don't necessarily give them the space they need to work. <laughs> I mean, so many things. Neighbors who want to be friendly and come and, and, and just chat. We have to learn how to say no, walk away, and I offer some advice in that sense because it's not always easy to have to discipline to say, you know what, yeah, I want to chat with you because your conversation is fascinating, but I have work. So um, just keeping people grounded and sharing some tips that I've learned the hard way so that they may enjoy a peaceful work from home situation. Yeah. Did you have, um, yeah, this is, I'm just thinking like just the way, um, you have just the, the, your mind is working and just the, the, the skills to put out these books out, like you have not stopped. You have been nonstop on just putting out these topics. And it's crazy. Like I'm sitting down. Sometimes I remember being in college, sitting down, trying to uh, fret over, trying to write like pages for the, your thesis or something. And it's just like, it is amazing to see how you put all this stuff together. What would you say, I guess, as we kind of wrap here, when you want to give us like, what would you say would be like your number one tip for people starting out writing or, you know, a skill that you picked up that kind of helps you move from like book to book and, you know, keep everything organized? Well, the first tip, if you're starting to write, um, the first tip is it's okay to feel that you suck at it. That's the first thing. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, it. You know that inner voice that tells you that you're not good enough at writing. We all have it. It doesn't matter how many years of writing experience you have you will feel like um, you you're not doing it right you're gonna have major imposter syndrome and it's normal just uh, write through it and find someone that you trust that is able to provide you feedback because we spend so much time in our head as writers um Sometimes we forget that we need to be able to be flexible and allow other people in so that they can provide us feedback because we're not writing those books uh, for for ourselves. Well, in part we are, right, to satisfy that inner desire. Yeah. We need yeah. an audience. And second, um, a writing schedule helps a lot. And I always say, if you have if you have an a calendar where you keep all your appointments, appointments that you cannot miss, do yourself a favor and add yourself to that calendar. Schedule your writing time and respect it just as much as you would respect um, a meeting with your employer or your employees, a, a doctor's appointment. You wouldn't miss those. So don't miss the appointment that you have with yourself. Don't put yourself on the back burner. What you have to say is important. Black women, we have a voice that hasn't been heard for such a long time. Now that um, we're supporting each other and that we're starting to be heard, um, do not be the one neglecting yourself now. You make time for yourself, make time for your art because you deserve it. Look, I couldn't have said any better myself. MJ, I'm just, I'm loving all the motivational quotes. You are taking us to school today, dropping knowledge on all of us today because it is just it's just fantastic to know that there's somebody else out there pushing, you know, the fact of what black um, black women's mental health, you know, the check in with each other, starting from a young age to realize your worth and your value and what you're talented at. So thank you so much for that. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope we'll get in touch soon again. Oh yeah, yeah. You got a line of books. You got a list of books we got to talk about. So yeah, you got to come back. You gotta, you gotta make sure you keep us on the email list. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, MJ. Thank you, everybody that's listening. You guys stay safe. Keep your social distance. Um, and yeah, I will talk to you guys later. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds Podcast will return in just a moment. Puzzle games are always fun to figure out because I'm always interested in trying to solve things. Whether you're waiting at the doctor's office or you're just kind of bored and you need something to stimulate your mind. You know how you take a walk and you need some exercise 
Well, sometimes you need to exercise your brain and Best Fiends is actually doing that. It really is. You're solving puzzles and you're playing games and it's actually quite entertaining, I have to say. Best Fiends has tons of puzzles to solve and unlike other matching puzzle games, Best Fiends has variety and it has strategy. The only downside is I can't stop playing. I am on level 234, yes, 234, and there's thousands of levels that are still waiting for me to play, but that's fine because if I'm ever bored or I have a lag while I'm at work, then I can just go to my phone, go to the app, and check out Best Fiends. It's there waiting for me to play endlessly for hours. With Best Fiends, there's always something new to play every single day. And you know what? It's endless fun. You get these cute little collectible characters. And you know, come on, what's not to love? So if you're hungry for near endless supply of fun puzzles, you know, the kind that you actually enjoy solving, try out Best Fiends. Just don't blame me if you can't turn it off, okay? Download the five-star rated puzzle game, Best Fiends. It's free today on the Apple Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Nearly every business in the world relies on computing professionals to manage daily operations. Oregon State University's in-demand online computer science programs will help you find your calling in the global job market. Oregon State eCampus is an innovative provider of online education. Renowned for its expertise in delivering computer science programs to students around the world. Choose from three dynamic offerings, a 60 credit post-bac program, if you're already a college graduate, a bachelor's of science program, or a cybersecurity certificate if you're seeking a credential to add to your resume. Earning a computer science degree puts you in a position to accept competitive job offers, a major benefit of Oregon State's online computer science program. Your online support will consist of a dedicated student success coach, personal mentor, expert faculty with industry experience, and a global student network. Plus, Oregon State is ranked number four in the nation for online education by U.S. News and World Report. Accelerate your career today. Visit ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash nerds to learn more about Oregon State's 80-plus online degree programs. That's ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash nerds. Welcome to the Black Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And as a TV film geek, I have I cannot help but notice lately that for the COVID-19, everything is kind of changing in the entertainment world. They're taking note of this inclusion and diversity in front of and behind the camera. But you know, sometimes when they say behind the camera, people just think, okay, we're directors and writers for these TV series, for these movies. But what about, let's go even further than that. You know, about what are, who are running these networks, right? Let's go, who is the general manager? You know, let's go a little bit further there. So I'm going to do that for this segment. And I'm so excited to do that with Melissa Ingram. She is the Senior Vice President of the Multicultural Networks and Strategies of Up Entertainment. Also, she's the General Manager of Aspire TV, which that's where I go so I can catch all my reruns of Bernie Mac. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there for y'all that's not ready. But anyway, so we're going to get past it, though, because I got to get into this. We got a lot to talk to Melissa about. First of all, Melissa, how are you doing? Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you, Ryan. I am well. I'm blessed. I cannot complain. And I'm so honored and excited to be talking with you. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a fan and I love all things black girl, geeky and nerdy. So I'm excited to well, be thank here. You. We're so happy to have you. I'm, I'm excited about this because like I said, I am every time somebody says, OK, I want inclusion and diversity behind the camera. People don't think about all the aspects like the role that you have is just dope because that might put the directors and the writers of color in the room, you know, right. from a standpoint of that, you know, not just going out and be like, okay, well, I need this one director of this film and then we're done. And, you know, people right. kind of step away from, you know, Go ahead and talk yeah. About that a little bit. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's so true. And I think um, I've had to come to grips with 
like, what is my role, right? Like in this space, like what, what can I control? How can I continue to elevate and not be the only one, right? So when you think about my seat and other um, uh, people of color that may be aspiring to be executives within companies, like it is my obligation and my duty to pull people along, to help mentor, to help influence um, so that I'm not just the only one that you see and can talk about. And then when you, as you mentioned, when you talk about other writers and producers who are in this space who have not been able to sort of break down those doors to get into, um, to make a pitch, and, and quite frankly, even talent, right? Exactly. Talent yep. who hasn't been able to, to be seen. Um, so it's very, it's something that's very near and dear to my heart as a black woman, as an HBCU grad, as a woman of Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority, as a, as a link. All of those things um, make me so proud to just give and create space and make room for others, whether that be Absolutely. behind the camera or in front of the camera. So um, Aspire TV, our mantra, our brand promise is see yourself here. And that's really just because there's been a demand um, in, in our industry and in our community to see authentic representation. And so I am uh, overjoyed to wake up on a day-to-day to move the needle in making that happen. And let me back up for a second here, because I'm like, I'm loving, like, you guys can't see it, but you got, like, a beautiful smile going on as you're talking about this. But I wanted to start with, I should have started with this first. I wanted to ask you, what, um, what, what was it about, like, TV and entertainment where you were like, because you got to be curious and you got to have that passion to do what you do on a day-to-day basis, I feel, to really go after it. So what was that for you? Like, what did that come about for you? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I've always had this desire. So I'm a retired attorney. I tell people that um, I'm a retired hey, esquire. I always had this desire to be a, a big entertainment attorney and to focus more on the music side. Um, and I, I never in a million years thought that it would sort of evolve into this business role working for a cable television network. But I'm glad it did. And and when I when this opportunity was presented to me, I honestly um, was excited about it because it was like, wow, I have a real opportunity to make change, right? It's one thing to represent people and to be their, their spokesperson. But if you know me, you know that I'm, I'm a very humble person. I don't like to talk a lot about what I do. Um, and so this is the opportunity for me to elevate other people, for me to change the way in which our community sees ourselves in media. And, and so I, I just got excited and I started developing this passion because the people on the other side of the screen, right? So when we talk about television and who's watching on the other side, they, have, they look like me and you, Ryan. And that just gets me geeked, right? To know yeah, that my yeah, daughter really at some, yeah. yeah, you know, like at some point my daughter is going to be able to turn on television and watch adult programming and not have to worry about, is this really truly a reflection of my experience? Mm-hmm. Right. Like she can have options to say, wow, that was dope. I, I saw myself. I saw my mom. I saw my girlfriend. I saw all of the experiences that I've had being played out in front of me. And it's just like when you see your best friend on TV or whatever, you get excited. Right. Because you're like, yeah, exactly. I know Absolutely. her. You feel like, you know, them and there's this connection. So I started just developing this passion um, and it became very purposeful for me. Um you know, and I'm a spiritual person. I, I, I share that with people. So you understand that I am very much so a believer that there's a higher power than me. And that when you submit to that, right. And when you're able to understand why you were placed here for this moment in time. And for me, it was like, this is the moment in time for which God created me. And that is to create space for people of color to be seen. And so when that crystallized for me, like, this is purposeful work. Like, yeah, it's fun. But to be honest with you, Ryan, sometimes it's not fun, right? I mean, sometimes <laughs> trying to break down those barriers, it's not sexy. Yeah. So when I realized that this was purpose work for me, it was like, okay, I get it, God. I get what you're calling me to do. I get what you're asking me to do. And I need to do it well. And I need to do it with excellence. So um, yeah, you, the smile that you see on my face is because I love what I do and I love who I'm doing it for. Okay, Melissa. So I'm going to go in right now because I love all the behind the scenes things. So give us as much as you want. Tell us about the day to day being a general manager of Aspire TV. Because, you know, people don't exactly know everything that you got you got going on. Right. Okay. 
So a, a large part of my day is really um, developing, coaching um, other people, right? So that, that when I talked about that not so sexy part, that sometimes isn't as sexy, um, but it is fulfilling, right? To see other people sort of step into various roles and to be a part of that. The other part of my day is really around partnerships, right? So whether it be content um, or other sort of business to business partnerships and developing those. And I'll, I'll use this as an example, just to sort of share with people. In 2018, we created a online directory of black owned businesses called the Aspire Marketplace. And this was before buying black was hot, right? Everybody's into that right now, but we were, we were, we were doing that long before it was hot. And so what we were doing was bringing, um, black owned business owners into our studio, having them share their story. And then we were cutting basically free commercials for them and putting them on our air. And we saw some real success with some of these products and businesses. And so now, you know, the thought is in the, in the, the sexiness of it is really attracting a lot of advertisers and attracting a lot of even distribute distribution partners um, to say, Hey, how do we partner together? We like what you're doing. We see it. How do we have our products and our store featured on yours? Like how do we, you know, two plus two equals 200. Um, and so I spent a large part of my day thinking about those and developing, okay, what can we do together that makes sense? And then on the content side, you know, I do spend quite a bit of my time um, looking at influencers, trying to think about, you know, where do we want to go as a brand and who do we see that fits within that? So oftentimes we're looking at influencers and they don't even know we're looking at them, right? Particularly with Aspire being an, a, a lifestyle brand now, we're looking at, you know, who's in the culinary space, who's in the design space and working with development consultants and with production companies to figure out sort of who's next, like what programming do we want to come to the air? So that's a, that's a little bit, no day is a typical day, but that's what I spend sort of a large part of my my job on. Yeah, and it's so cool, like, to think about the market space thing. Like, can you imagine all of these, if there were all these networks that came out and were, like, pumping out Black uh, community, black uh, products in the community, um, you know, all these entrepreneurs out here trying to make it. So I just, I really, when I saw that, I was like, that is amazing that you have this network that has that tied into it. So when you go shopping, you can give the small businesses some love, too. Yes, that's right. That's the power of the collective, right? If we all join forces I mean, you know, there are stats and I, and I don't I don't want to be quoted on these because I, they're not necessarily accurate what I'm giving you. But the yeah. thought is, it, is that in the Jewish community, a dollar goes around and circulates for years. Right. Mm-hmm. In that community, it's like something like six minutes. Yeah. And like, yeah, think about that. that. Yeah. It needs to be more right. of a networking like, spirit. Yeah. How do we change that? Collectively, we have to make an effort to say, hey, you know, those who have the influence, those who have the platforms, who have the awareness to bring forth the change collectively have to agree. We're not in competition with one another on this. We just want to see change. Right. Right. And so we're going to join together to make that happen. So I agree with you, Ryan. I think that's that that's smart. And and I hope I hope we can do that. I hope we can do that. Now, speaking of uh, coming together, by the way, there are other female executives that are managers at Aspire TV. Am I correct? Am I right in saying that? Because I saw, yes. I heard that, and I was like, "Listen, I think women need to be running things anyway." So I was just yes. on, I was on the bandwagon. <laughs> yes, we have. Um, so the Aspire TV team, in terms of who touches sort of the day to day, is is ninety percent black women. That is and, amazing. Um, That's amazing. I believe it was. We're coming up on our ninth year anniversary for our sixth year anniversary. We did a photo shoot where we had all of us were dressed in black and we had our one male in there. But it, seeing that was so powerful. Right. Um, one, we know black women run the world. Right. I mean, this, that's just. Yeah, that's I mean, just obviously. Yeah, I mean, we, we change. We affect change in every in every single aspect. <laughs> so. Um, that, that is very cool. And for me being an HBC grad from Spelman college, which which I like to call the, the, the birthplace of black girl magic, it was very, um, full circle for me, right. Um, growing up and, and being educated around powerful black women and then now working with powerful black women was a real full circle moment for me. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. It has been quite honestly, a joy to, you know, iron sharpens iron. So for me to be sharpened by such dynamic and powerful black women on a day to day. 
Also, too, um, what I think is powerful, too, is bringing in, because we have to change with the times, whatever is popular with you guys doing a lifestyle brand, bringing in the millennials, I think is really dope. Yeah. Plus, personally, I'm a millennial, so I guess I got to I gotta root for it as well. <laughs> but just bringing in, um, you know, just like the social media aspect. And like you said, you can have the beauty aspect and just yeah. like whatever terminology, lingo we want to come up with of the day is part of our, it's part of the network part of what we're watching on TV that's going to make us connect even more. Can you talk a little bit about that and that decision to kind of move more, um, you know, towards millennials and targeting that audience? Yeah. Well, so the, the first we started doing research in 2016 to understand like, where was the real opportunity with another black network, right? Like where is that space that nobody else is really playing in? And we started looking at the Nielsen research and learned that black audiences are watching lifestyle programming. And I know that word lifestyle means different things to different people, but I'm talking about your HGTV, your food, your cooking. There was large viewership of, of African-Americans, Blacks watching this content, but yet they didn't see themselves, but they're still watching it, right? Because, mm, you know, there's yeah. this, you know, we're, we're more educated than ever. We are now purchasing homes um, more than ever. Um, we are making more money, you know? So it's, it, it was like, aha, what if you cr we created a space where people of color saw themselves doing the things in which they do on a day to day, cooking the cuisines that they cook or they aspire to cook, um, living in, in living in homes and apartments that have an aesthetic that they're used to. Right. I mean, you, you can acknowledge a beautiful design, but when a when a design or when a home makeover speaks to your soul and to your aesthetic, it's like, oh, that's that's hot. Right. When you have <laughs> yeah. when you see black art. Right. Um, and then even from just a shopping perspective, you're like, what if we created this brand and we moved this fire from being sort of just like a general, general entertainment network and more into a lifestyle network where we empower the black audience to not just eat, but to eat well, not just live, but live your life. You only got one, not just shop, but shop with purpose and intention and know who you're buying and who's behind it. Um, not just working hard, but playing hard. And most importantly, not just dream, but dreaming big. And so that really started to inform our programming decisions and sort of what we wanted the network to look like and what we wanted to bring to life. Um, and, and, and it's been it's it's really has taken off for us because nobody else is really in this space. And so we have the opportunity to own it and to claim it. And so we're doubling down this year with programming, getting into some of the travel. Right. So who doesn't right. like to see black folks traveling across the globe? Um, and then getting more into the fashion. And so lifestyle content, when we realized Black folks were watching it, we also understood that naturally it lends itself to a younger audience as well, right? That, that the influencers we are finding in this space are very much so millennials that are cooking and that are doing design. And so it was, it, it's almost by, authentically, we are getting younger and we're attracting younger folks because there hasn't been this space for them to be seen. Um, and so while that wasn't necessarily the intention with moving to a lifestyle network, it has organically drawn attention from a younger audience and the, and the influencers we're seeing in this space happen to be very young. Um, so it, it, to answer your question, um, it's now a strategy, although it wasn't intentional at first. The intention was just to create something that hadn't been done or that isn't being done right now. And along with that came sort of this younger audience. And I, I tell the team all the time, look, you can have a television brand where on linear, it's an older audience, but on social, you're engaging and you're giving content to millennials and you're speaking to people where they are. We can, we can be that big of a brand when we encompass and embody ages 25, even younger to 54 plus. We can do that. We don't have to be in the segment of just, oh, if you're 45 to... No, we can create content for everybody because everybody who doesn't like a good makeover and a good and a good meal. Right, like I'm looking at all this stuff. Like I see wine etiquette. I can figure out how to put my <laughs> eyelashes on and everything. Like this is this is like this is cool. But you know, and like right. you said, just changing and not feeling like you're staying in that box. That is the whole point yes. of you know seeing these cool different networks. Um, you know, having people like you on the creative side because you don't want to keep seeing the same thing over and over again. It's time to do you, something different. Change you it up. don't. You don't. And I'll tell you this little story. We we um. For three seasons, we had a cooking show, Butter and Brown, on our air that we found off of Issa Rae's YouTube channel. 
two dope millennials, two best friends, HBCU grads. And I remember there's one show, I think in season three, where the the male co-host has a has a grill. <laughs> he wanted to wear his grill while he was cooking. And production, you know, director was like, can he do that? I was like, absolutely. If that's what he does, if he wants to wear a grill while he is flipping that French toast, <laughs> let him wear his grill because that is who he is. And that's what makes our programming and our brand. Um, that's, that's what's been successful for us, right? Is allowing talent. And I've had so many talents say to me, you know what, man, this is the first time you know, somebody hasn't told me I needed to change what I'm wearing because it didn't look right or, you know, or that I had to become something else. And I'm like, no, everybody needs to understand your authenticity is what will keep you ahead of the game. It's it's your secret sauce. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. that. And people just have to embrace that. And we need to be accepting of that. So I, I, I really love the fact that our talent feels like, listen, Aspire is a place not only where I can be seen, but I can be me. Mm, yeah. Yeah. There you go. See, that's how you got to find the network to let you be you. That's all I'm saying. Cause you know, enough is enough. You got to change it up. You got to do something different. Yeah. Um, I know I'm ready to see something different instead of keep talking about like, Oh, we need inclusion on this. And we need diversity on this. And nobody actually taking action. So this to is doing cool. It, yeah. um, what else? Like I may think it's, what else can you tease for Aspire TV coming up? Can you tease anything for us? What you guys got coming Ooh. up? Uh, let's see. Well, see, we just launched general manager. I, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to well, I mentioned I mentioned us getting into this travel space. Um, we also have, I will say, we have Chef G. Garvin coming back. Um, you know, he's like the the OG of of of, of black culinary. Um, so he's coming from behind the screen back in front of the screen again and giving us some stuff. And um, you know, we're we're like I said, we're looking in the fashion. Um, so I can't really talk about it, but just know that we're trying to get into all of those spaces, right? <laughs> um, all of the spaces that I mentioned and then doing more with the Spire Marketplace and really seeing black businesses succeed. That's, that's a personal, you know, sort of, uh, initiative of mine is to be able to see our black businesses do well and to thrive, right? Mm, yeah. Um, particularly in the, in the, in the year and that we have seen in 2020, yes. uh, that is, that is, that is what you're going to see a lot more of attention and focus there as well. And, you know, just kind of a little fun question to kind of wrap us up here. Yeah, you come like, on. Cause I know you're doing, um, a lot of this is like, you know, work at times and you're kind of working behind the scenes and figuring out, do you have, do you ever binge watch? Is that kind of, does that kind of take you away or does that just feel more like you're at work and you're trying to watch more content and figure things out? Uh, no, I wish I will. Okay. So I, we, my husband and I do have our shows, right. Uh -huh. But it's often being watched on demand because, you know, when you got kids, <laughs> it's not about you anymore. <laughs> Um, so I will say, do you want to know what we're, been, what we're watching, even though we don't yeah, binge? Yeah, if you want to share, yeah, if you want to hear what we're um, watching. So yeah. I, you know, our, um, uh, mindless, mindless thinking is 90 day fiance, right? Um, yeah, you can't go wrong with that. There you go. <laughs> right, yep. you can't go wrong with it because you're like, is this real? Is this really real? Um, and then we, we are, we are staunch fans of like the Chicago PD, Chicago mm, SVU, yep. uh, and, uh, Chicago Fire, uh, so I, you know, I wish I had more time. Um, there, I do have, I do keep a list of things that I do want to watch. Because oh, I do have, I'm glad I'm not I, the only one. I do the same no, thing. No, mm -mm, because all my single and, and I live vicarious through my single and, and, and ch childless friends who have all the time in the world to stay up till 3 a.m. Uh, so I do keep my list of things that are hot and popping, you know, everybody was talking about married at first sight. I was so behind. I was like, what? Oh yeah. You got to catch up with that. I'm telling you right yeah. now. It's, 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 you got to catch up. <laughs> but that's what all my friends are telling me. Uh, Handmaid's Tale, like, I guess there's a new season coming out. Like I, oh, yeah. I never yep. saw the first one. So, you know, um, but yeah, I wish I had more time, but when I am working, I do keep our network on and I do look at other lifestyle networks while, while trying to work just to get inspiration and quite honestly to see what's missing. Right. Yeah. Not not just to see what inspires me, but to see what I think is really missing. Absolutely. Where yeah. the opportunities at. Well, you know what, you guys, you better make sure you add Aspire TV to your list of things that yes. you gotta watch and binge watch. Cause I know, look, we're going back, but I know you're sitting at home. So you better turn on that Aspire TV and figure out what you're gonna watch. Find some lifestyle programs to watch. Unbox the Nikki Chu, Butter and Brown, Just Angela, side by side. We got you. We got you. <laughs> Melissa, thank you so much. It's been so much fun talking to you. Thank you, Brian. 
right, and you guys stay safe. And you know I'm coming back with something else, you know, crazy, fun, entertainment later. So I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify. 